Take me back, take me back, take me way back. Take me back, take me back, take me way back. Take me back, take me back, take me way back. You got the keys to the kingdom, come on home. Good morning and welcome to episode 750 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. Presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com, I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hello. I went to the diner for brunch. Oh, I meant to ask you. So, are you? How many? How long is it going to be open? It's not clear. It was reported this summer that it would be around for another six to twelve months. So it's not clear. <laughs> Could be any time. So I got to go all the time. Well, it couldn't be any time. If it's six to 12 months, six months doesn't start for four more months. Yeah, maybe. So are you going to eat there now every day? <laughs> Probably not. I did go today because Stephen Goldman, formerly of BP and SB Nation and other places, was in town. So we met at the diner. And then my girlfriend came home after work and she wanted to get food. And she, she suggested diner. Yeah. And I probably would have gone, except I heard you in my head saying that I go every day. So I felt like the day after I denied that that was the case, I didn't want to go twice in one day. Yeah, so if you had gone, <laughs> what would you, what would you have ordered? Uh, I only got half my usual order for brunch. So I was up for a day or so, and I just wanted to go to sleep. Uh-huh. Noted. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ben. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious about... One question about the diner. Okay. Do you like it, or is it just near? I like it. It's, it's. I mean, I don't know. It's, I it's think, okay, right? It's I okay. Think... If it were another diner, that'd be okay, too, right? Probably. I like most diners. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're really what this is, is you're going to have to walk a little further. Yeah. I don't go out of my way for food. Okay. Restaurants are overrated. The dining live... experience is overrated. And you, as far, by New York standards, you live fairly far away from commerce. I do, yes. It's like like upwards of three blocks. Yeah, yeah, like 9th Avenue is good for restaurants and things, and I'm between 11th and 12th, so it's, you know, two and a half avenues. Yeah, which is like, what is it, it's four, five avenues for a block, for a mile, and 20 blocks for a mile, is that right? 20 blocks for a mile, yeah, it's, I think it's like three blocks to an avenue. So seven, basically seven avenue blocks to a mile. Yeah. I always thought it was five, five avenue blocks to a mile, or maybe four. I don't know. It seems Must a little long be. to me. All right. So we missed the elimination. We didn't really miss it. We can still talk about it. But yeah. The Cubs were eliminated. The Mets have moved on to the World Series. There is a crucial game that takes place today, Friday, between the Blue Jays and the Royals. There is managerial news the Dodgers manager Don Mattingly mutually parted ways with the team and the Mariners might be hiring a manager and both of the new managers of those teams might be friends of the podcast yeah I wouldn't call (laughs) contacts acquaintances of the podcast acquaintances of a podcaster I will I will say that I we have talked to (laughs) I'll say this I I have zero so far as I know I have zero managerial cell phone numbers yeah, so this and by, would give us a couple. In a week, I might have two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is is a way of phrasing it. Yeah, that's true. I've got GMs on my Gchat now. Yeah, well, yeah. I did. I, plural or singular? 
I think plural. Uh, see, I have the singular. I don't know. We must be getting old. You... <laughs> the people that we know are moving to work for teams now. I wonder who your second one is. <laughs> It'll remain a mystery. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So quite a bit. Considering that, uh, isn't there supposed to be a news blackout during October? Yeah, usually you don't see things like this happen. I was just reading the other day, I was reading the piece that I wrote when the Dodgers hired Friedman, and it kind of blew me away when I saw the date. It was like right in the middle of, I think, the World Series. Yeah, because they lost in the LCS. So right in the middle of the World Series, they announced like the biggest GM move, the biggest GM hiring, at least since Theo, and maybe longer. Yeah, I don't know. What's the real disadvantage to that i mean i know that the focus is supposed to be on the games and but is anyone getting so distracted by don mattingly that they forgot the playoffs were going on like oh <laughs> guess i can't watch the game i forgot to watch the game i was reading about don mattingly <laughs> so i don't really know what the actual byproduct of that is yeah that's true i guess you wouldn't want player you wouldn't want like off like free agent stuff to start maybe Though, then again, I don't know what the... Some of that has started. Yeah, that sort of has started. Like, we've already... We had Granky opting out, or not... I mean, he yeah, hasn't officially... that was just a report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is a thing, and then we had the Mets. What, didn't the Mets, like, in the middle of... Like, after David Murphy's, like, fourth home run in a row, didn't they say that they still didn't plan to bring him back or something? Wasn't that a yeah, thing? Yeah, I, well, I, they probably didn't say that, but it was... That was a story. It <laughs> would be weird if they did. <laughs> All of that's conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bad move. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign Zach Granke. <laughs> we have to let some people go from this current team. Yeah, yeah. Theo Epstein gave a press conference, I think, today, and uh, talked about, among other things, he talked about how controlling the running game was going to be an organizational imperative hmm. between now and next year. And I wondered what you thought about that. I mean, they obviously they have John Lester, mm-hmm. but they also uh, this was an issue for them in the LCS. Not quite A's in the 2014 wild card game levels, uh, but there were some games that turned on the inability to control the running game. And so I wonder when, if you hear that, does that reek of overreaction? I mean, the running ga- the value of the running game and of stopping the running game is a constant and you have the same essential information today that you had a year ago about whether it is worth focusing on the running game. Does it seem like overreaction to a short series to declare that it is now a problem? I mean, this was a good team. They won 98 games and had the best third-order winning percentage in the National League Mm -hmm. with this inability to control the running game. So I don't exactly know what it means. I don't know if that just means 45 minutes in spring training so that there's like a good video of people working on controlling the running game. Yeah. But if it actually is something that takes away their focus or uh, ability to do other things, would you consider that a uh, decision well made? Well, it, I guess it smacks a little of the sort of spring training. Everyone has a goal in spring training and you say you're going to run more or you're going to work on stopping other teams from running more. And then a lot of times those things don't seem to actually happen in the season but Sahadev Sharma did an unfiltered at BP the other day about this about the Cubs and holding runners and he had quotes from 
Montero in there saying that we've got to do a better job holding the runners and Joe Madden saying we've, you know, this is a weakness and we're trying to become better at that. I guess what Madden pointed out is that at this time of year, your weaknesses might get exploited more just because there's so much advanced scouting going on. And Madden said they've taken advantage of some pitchers being slow to the plate. I think they probably scouted that. You're always looking for a little nugget here or there that you might be able to utilize at that time of year. So if you get away with it all year and then suddenly you stop getting away with it at the most important time of the year, that still seems like a reason why you would want to correct it. It's not like, you know, I mean, they still have good hitters and they don't have to work on having good players. They have pretty good players, so they should work on the little things, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this with RJ at times because I think RJ is one of the uh, maybe the uh, the uh, premier writer of running game control yeah. in the in the world today, uh-huh. and uh, so we both love to talk about the pitchers who are exceptional at controlling the running game. But I've talked to him at times about how controlling the running game is something that is seen as being the sign of a very smart pitcher, a pitcher who takes uh, every aspect of the game seriously. But it is also at times, and it has been at times the sign of a very smart pitcher to ignore the running game, and particularly Greg Maddox, mm-hmm. uh, was a guy who was sort of famously unconcerned with the running game to the point that basically everybody just ran wild on him for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he this was not intentional. This was not that... You know, he just couldn't get around the fact that he was he had a long, you know, delivery or he couldn't throw pickoff moves or anything like that. He just his philosophy was that it was a small component of the offense. And it is true that it is not only is it a small component of the offense, but if you run more, you you to run to run more is not enough. You have to run more and run at a very high rate of success. And even still, every time you get thrown out it undoes like basically three stolen bases and so in fact if teams are running more it's not necessarily really even hurting you at all anyway i'm i'm scrolling down to see if i can find greg maddox's yeah so like greg maddox in 2007 for instance uh allowed 37 stolen bases and caught two Mm -hmm. runners um and basically like over the the end of his career he had I mean, like one year out of the final 10 seasons of his career, he had an above average caught stealing rate. He just didn't care about it. And that was seen as being kind of him being smart. And I don't know if Chris Young fits because Chris Young had a sort of physical disability when it came to the running game. But Chris Young is also a very, you know, known to be a a smart pitcher. He went to Princeton and all that. And, um, you know, he he, uh, was a teammate of Greg Maddox at the same time. And he very famously allowed tons and tons of stolen bases. And so, uh, I forget what I was saying. Where do you think I was going? Well, that it's not necessarily that important. That I mean, yeah. But but there are times when it is important. There (laughs) there are there are individual games where it's extremely important. Whether it's like the Royals with the wild card comeback, or in this series with the Mets sort of taking advantage of the cut. And and they, I mean, the Mets just thoroughly won that series in every way so i don't know that it was just attributable to that i mean they were never losing in the series which was complete domination really so i'm still i'm still giving them credit for game six but that's Uh just me well so i you know i don't know you might as well work on it (laughs) can't hurt 
if I mean, what else would it be taking time away from? I I mean, obviously something because they chose not to do it before. Maybe they're just lazy. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like the teams that are getting eliminated, like there's not a there's not a stench of decay around any of the teams that are getting eliminated, really. Except for, I mean, the Yankees have had a stench of decay, like almost permanently for several years now. But other than that, none of the oh. teams that are getting eliminated, like there's no, like the Tigers last year, when they got eliminated, there was a sense that maybe this was the end of the Tigers or they were coming to the end and this was the, the window closing. And I feel like none of the teams this year really have that. Obviously, Cubs fans very disappointed by the way that ended, and yet this seems to be the beginning of the Cubs, not the end. And you could say the same about the Astros. There's no real reason to think that the Pirates and Cardinals won't ben, be competitive let's next year. Stop! I want you to stop talking. Okay. I want you to open your, your inbox. I All want right. you to open the, the email I just sent you, which isn't there yet because Google is still giving me the option to undo. Okay. Do you use that function, by the way? Yes, I've always That's used incredible. that. incredible. Wait, I've, what do you mean always? It's existed for like two months. No, it was a, it was like a Google Labs feature before that. You know, Gmail has Google Labs like add-ins that you could, like a beta test kind of, you can opt in. So I've been using the undo for a long time. And yeah, it has it's, completely it's, changed my life and I still send, and I still end up sending things that I regret. But it's, <laughs> I, it's, it is a, uh, it is the Peltzman effect yeah. in action because knowing that I can undo it, I uh, am more careless before I hit send. And then sometimes I'll navigate away and then go, I shouldn't have. And then I go back. But I undo like fully a quarter of my emails. <laughs> yeah, I probably do too. I I almost use it to motivate myself. Like if I'm, sometimes I'll just send one without proofreading it, like just living on the edge. And then <laughs> like in the countdown, I'll like proofread really efficiently because I know I'm running out of time. All right, then, so you have my email. Yes, and your email okay. is a list of the teams in this year's playoffs. All right, so we're going to draft. <laughs> okay. We're going to do a quick 40-second uh, draft of next year's playoff teams from the list of this year's playoff teams. All right. All right? Hang on, let me get a coin. All right, call it in the air. Okay. Go. Heads. It's heads. You get to pick first. Man, I always win those. All right. I, uh, I can, by the way... I have become convinced over the last few months that I can tell you whether the coin is heads or tails uh, based on sound. <laughs> I feel uh, like almost 100% certain that I can do this. I, like I knew that was heads. Test that. All right. You okay, so. Uh -huh. I'll say the Astros. Really? Yeah. All right. I'll say the Dodgers. That makes sense. All right. Cubs. Okay. Blue Jays. Mets. Okay. Cardinals. Pirates. Royals. Yankees. Yeah, I would have too. All right, and I get the Rangers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Draft right. complete. Fun. <laughs> okay. But do you agree that there's no sense of finality to any no of these eliminations? No sense of finality. I mean, there are teams that there was a sense of overperformance. Yes. But even in, even in a couple of those cases, like the Mets... There was a sense of overperformance, mm -hmm. but also a team that was uh, on the upswing. I mean, if you played this season out again, there's six or seven of these teams in retrospect 
even though we didn't pick any of them, six or seven teams in retrospect, you'd go, yeah, that's about right. They should make the playoffs. The Mets, I don't know. I don't know that I would pick the Mets if we were playing the season out again. Even with the roster, even knowing that they were going to make a trade, even knowing that Conforto was going to come up, you'd still be like, well, one of the pitchers is going to get hurt. And, you know, there's various other problems. So, uh, and the Nationals will be good. That's the main thing, is that you'd think the Nationals would be good. Uh, but, so they may be overperformed a little, but, uh, yeah, they're a team that was rising. They were a team that I liked more this year, entering this year, than I liked the year before. Maybe that's what's interesting about this team. I think uh, this this uh, this uh, slate, I liked almost every team more than I liked them the year before. Yeah. E- even, maybe even the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And the only really, the real clear exception is the Rangers, who you know, needed health and a few things to break, right? They're the they're the one team that, obviously, for reasons that are clear, you picked them last uh, in this draft. That we and yet, did. I don't think they're going to be I, worse. Not, right, exactly. They're not mm-hmm. decaying. They're yeah. as, you know, they're as good a bet next year as they were this year, and mm-hmm. actually, they're a better bet this year. They're a better bet next year than they were this year, right? Mm-hmm. If, like, if, if I If I showed you their roster right now, and I didn't tell you how they had done this year. Uh, you would probably, and you were like a bookmaker or something, just knowing their roster next year and knowing their roster this year on opening day, you would probably give them better odds next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've got Darvish, they've got Hamels, mm-hmm. they had some youth, you know, their team stayed healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, a, it's not a bad team. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is the bad team. We've talked about how, uh, I think last year we talked about how there really wasn't a clear tank successor to the Cubs and the Astros at that point. No. I mean, I think we liked the maybe the Rockies and the Diamondbacks least of all, but not an obvious one, and, and it is kind of the state of baseball, that if you can make a case that you're a 70-win team or better, you should probably go for it. And the Twins, actually, I think the Twins were the leading tank contender mm. at that point, and the Twins almost made the playoffs. And so that just goes to the point. So is there a current – who is the closest team to a tank team right now, would you say? Who's the team that is furthest away from any possibility of 88 wins? I'd say probably probably the Rockies. Yeah, it feels like it's always the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe the – The Phillies? The Phillies at this point? I mean the I Phillies – I feel like the Phillies – like I – feel kind of better about the Phillies than I do about the Reds, the, well, the Brewers. I mean, the Phillies at least have some prospects. And there is there is definitely no tank team in the American League. There's no intentional tank team, I don't think. There are bad teams. There are bad teams, but there's no team that's doing what the Astros and Cubs were doing. There's no team that probably should be. No. There's no team that you look at and say they are definitely a true talent worse than 74 wins next year no so every team should basically be at least making some nod toward competitiveness this offseason in the american league yeah i think so and the national league i don't know that there's any team that's necessarily crying out for a total teardown but yeah the the rockies the reds the brewers the phillies and probably the braves are all in pretty bad state Mm -hmm. and you could make the case given how much they put on their balance sheet for the years in the future. You could maybe make the case that if you totally stripped emotion from it, uh, that the Padres would benefit from a teardown at this point. I don't I don't know that I don't know. I don't know that I see a path 
to success with this roster. I might be wrong. I've written I've written fairly positively about what Preller did last offseason. And also and I negatively might later on. Also, yeah. No, no, no. Well, not, not about the original decision, but just about where they are now relative yeah. to where they were when he took over. Right. Every player that he signed did worse than Pagoda said, basically. Yeah. That's, that's what went wrong. And they're and, just as bad with more money committed. Yeah. And, of course, normally Pagoda says regression or expects regression. But even with that, Pagoda currently has them projected to be horrible. So, yeah, I don't think I really see a path to success for them. So they're probably... They, given the the amount of money they have and the age that they are, and also just the fact that the Dodgers are still going to be there next year, mm-hmm. you could maybe make a case that more than any other team, they might benefit because they could they could get pretty healthy in a hurry trading some of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kimbrel, for instance, what was the trade they turned down? Oh wait, am I thinking of Kimbrel? Yeah, Kimbrel, right? The Astros trade. They they asked for like basically three like top 75 prospects from the Astros, I think. Uh-huh. And if they'd just taken two, they'd have two top 75 prospects right now. Yeah. So they could, they could get some stuff. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, well, there weren't didn't seem like there was that much they could do at the deadline when people were talking about that Preller should be realistic and should reset or something. There weren't that many people. Well, Upton had Upton. value in... Upton had value that they didn't get anything out of. Yeah. Kimbrell had value that they didn't get anything out of. And Shields, they certainly could have shed a lot of them, that money. I mean, there's six six at least of these playoff teams would have added Shields to their rotation. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not saying they would have gotten much back, but they could have at least shed the contract. Mm-hmm. BJ right. Upton, Melvin Upton, is actually good again. Really? They could have... Yeah. <laughs> go look at... Seriously, go look at Melvin Upton's season. All right. Yeah. This is the this is a new feature on the show. <laughs> when we discover ben how players did. baseball reference page that nobody else can see. <laughs> All right, let's see how you did, Melvin. Yeah, you did pretty well. Yeah, basically was like a three-win player projected over the course of a season, an above-average hitter. I don't understand this sport at all. <laughs> <laughs> what are we even talking about? I know. <laughs> all right, so. The Royals and the Blue Jays have a big game today. What are the X factors? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know how they say the keys to the game? Yep. My dad is 100% convinced that that expression only exists because a car company sponsored it and wanted to have a pun. <laughs> and that that's why we say keys to the game. <laughs> Do seems, you believe that? Seems unlikely. <laughs> Why do people say the key to success? That's how I feel. Life sponsored by a car company at some point. What is a key to the game, though? This is how this when because I say the same thing, and then he says, "But what is a key to the game? What is it? What's the key to the game? How do you pick a key?" There usually isn't one, really. I I mean, no, (laughs) there's no, there's no good one. It's usually just uh, score more runs than the other team, hit better balls. The key to success, though is often an actual thing. Like you can say the key to success is getting a good education. Like mm-hmm. that's there's there's something worthwhile about saying that phrase. You could say to the key to a good game is having a good breakfast. I mean a good day is having a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's worthwhile. What you're saying is that if you were your sponsored day, by a breakfast company. You could well you could just say it. I mean the the concept behind it is yeah. consistent with human conversation. Like you're saying 
this thing depends on this other thing. Yeah. But has there ever been a key to a baseball game that was better than common that 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 needed to be said? There probably are things if we were willing to put in the time <laughs> to figure out what the real key to a specific game was. Like if, if you if yeah. I mean there are scouting reports on the players and so the key to a game maybe for a team is you know, knowing what the guy's going to throw in certain counts and watching for those pitches. And so if we really wanted to go in depth, we could kind of, we could come up with some sort of key. Yeah. But we, I agree we with don't, you. we're I'm, too lazy. But yeah. Um, and I, I agree. I just wanted to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give the insane argument that my father makes <laughs> less credit than it deserves. <laughs> so I will stand up for it against you. <laughs> But, yeah, you're right. It's nuts. So, anyway, the Royals and the Blue Jays, game six. Uh, what percentage chances do you think the Blue Jays have of winning this? Uh, I know the answer, by the way. Mm. But do you think the Blue Jays have of winning this series? Well. If it was coin flips, then it'd be 25%, right? Yeah. But they're on the road, mm-hmm. so it's not coin flips. And there's human beings playing. They've got Price and Stroman. Mm-hmm. So I'll say they've got a 30% shot. Yeah, it's 29. Cool. 29 by Pakoda. Mm-hmm. So did you write about, are you writing about this series at all? Nope. I wrote about well, this. Well, I, I previewed it. I wrote about the game, uh, five, and uh, I wrote about how significant the seventh inning was. Yeah. Did you read that? Yep. So even though the Blue Jays were winning by five and there was essentially no tension left in that game, it became in a weird way an extremely tense inning in the whole series view because the Blue Jays were seriously strongly considering going to David Price again. And if the Royals could put two guys on in that inning, it seemed very likely that they would manage to get David Price, the Blue Jays' best pitcher, the American League's best pitcher, into mop-up work again. And we saw that the last time that a team got David Price into mop-up work, that David Price couldn't pitch again. He couldn't pitch again in his scheduled start. He couldn't even pitch again in relief. Didn't matter because the Blue Jays won. But uh, it's a clear disadvantage on paper and in my mind, if not in John Gibbons' mind, to not have the best American League pitcher uh, available to you. And so all the Blue Jays had, or all the Royals had to do to make that happen seemed to be put two runners on base. And. Alcides Escobar couldn't do it, and Ben Zobras couldn't do it, and Lorenzo Cain walked, and then Eric Hosmer couldn't do it. And in what turned out to be a surprisingly, for me, tense inning, the Blue Jays essentially preserved their 30% chance. If by my by my calculations, if the Royals had managed to put just two guys on and get David Price into the game. Depending on how Gibbons used him after that, and we don't know how Gibbons would have used him after that. And he really Gibbons, wanted to use him. <laughs> Gibbons said he was going to use him. Gibbons almost brought him in in the sixth because yeah. because what he almost brought him into the sixth because Estrada had allowed two fly balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really uh, wanted to use him. He really wanted to use him, and so maybe he brings him in as a as a one batter guy to get Morales or Hosmer or Nostakis. Maybe it's just one batter. And then maybe Price, I don't know, maybe at that point Price can come back. Or maybe Price comes back in Game 7. Or maybe uh, on full rest and only Stroman pitches on short rest. Or maybe 
Gibbons does what he did in the LDS, and he just says, well, Price is in. I'm riding him, and uses him for the rest of the game, and Price is only a reliever now for the rest of the game. And the difference between Estrada works a 1-2-3 inning or you know allows one guy but still gets through the inning, and the last thing I said, which is Price pitches three innings and uh, can only pitch in relief for the rest of the series, is like a 10% series odds for the Blue Jays. It, it drops them from like 29% to 19%. And that's like a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Over the course of a series, like that's like replacing their entire roster with like the Rangers roster or some bad teams roster, worse than the Rangers. It's, that's good. Rangers <laughs> fans aren't going to be happy. With <laughs> no. It. Name a team. <laughs> They're uh, already upset. Diamondbacks, like replacing with the Diamondbacks roster. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was. Uh, it turns out to be huge. And I'm almost now. I don't actually care who wins it. I guess. I kind of like writing about the Royals more, mm. and I like Andy. Uh, so I guess kind of I'm I'm rooting for the Royals, but I don't really care who wins the series in any particular way. Mm-hmm. But now I sort of want the Blue Jays to win because I feel like that will be a moment I remember. That will be the key to the series, the key to the games, the key to the series, all the key to everything, the key to life. And uh, and I, I will. The, rem- you're in the pocket of big key. I will. I will remember it forever. And I also want to see how John Gibbons uses David Price in a World Series. Because <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Third base? I don't know. No. <laughs> Could well, be anything. Yeah. I mean, he has had it tough, I guess, as far as left-handed pitchers go, in that he lost Brett Cecil, who was the number one lefty, and then yeah. Aaron Loop has been in, unavailable for much of the postseason for family reasons or whatever it is, so... He has had a handicap there, but it is so, still a strange way of approaching it. Now, it has been pointed out that uh, it is a stupid rule that, well, it's a stupid rule. It, it seems like a stupid rule, bad rule, that Aaron Loop, who is essentially on some sort of bereavement leave, where it hasn't really been reported. It sounds, just based on the lack of reporting, I can assume it's something awful yeah. and something that we should be very sympathetic toward, something that is way bigger than baseball. And so he hasn't been available, but he hasn't been available in a, in a fairly unpredictable way. And Major League Baseball rules haven't allowed the Blue Jays to replace him on their roster. And so they've essentially been playing with 24 men and without a lefty in their bullpen because of this. And so that's a, that's a, that seems like a bad rule. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious whether you think that the Blue Jays erred by not replacing Ryan Tapera with Mark Burley in between series so that they would at least have a lefty given the unpredictability of loop. I mean, it's not it's not it's very clear that they have no intention of using Ryan Tapera in any particular situation that matters mm-hmm. as it yeah. is. Well, you could say the same about Burley, I guess. But well, except Burley's, you know, Burley's left-handed, and Burley, you know, he he, I would use. I mean, I could see using Burley. I mean, why not? Burley, Burley's not a bad pitcher. Yeah, he ended. He was the an season above average, poorly he was an above average starter this year. Yeah, the trajectory of his season was bad, I guess. But yeah, uh, you never know. Coming out of the bullpen, he might throw eighty-four. So. Yeah, <laughs> people have given look. People have given up on Mark Burley multiple times over the course yeah, of his career. I love as Mark far Burley. Back, yeah. As far back as his age twenty seven season, as far back as his age twenty twenty four season. So I mean, I just feel like Burley is always an adjustment away from being great again. 
But he's left-handed, and he has length, and he's left-handed. Mm-hmm. He's left-handed. Look, I'm not saying that on a normal team you would do this, but on a team where your manager is bringing in the American League's best pitcher in mop-up work because he's the only lefty, yeah. that's when that's when you bring in Burley. That's when you want Burley, right? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. So I don't know. It's I don't know whether they could be blamed for failing to anticipate continued unavailability of Loop or not, but but they know what's going on, obviously. So maybe I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that there's bereavement leave during the regular season, but not bereavement leave now. I don't know what the difference is, really, unless you say that like at this time of year you're supposed to want it so much that. Like, you can't take time off if someone dies or something. So unless that's the message that you want to be sending, then you might as well have bereavement leave now, too. I would guess that the message is more that we trust you less in the postseason. We think you're more likely to lie about this in the postseason. And we think the stakes stakes are higher in the postseason. I don't know. It'd be hard to lie about bereavement leave. I mean, (laughs) like, like, even in a normal job, they sometimes ask for verification on your bereavement leave, and it's not like they have detectives on the case mm-hmm. in HR at the Orange County Register. They just go <laughs> show me your uh, show me your plane ticket, uh-huh. and so yeah, it does seem like it'd be hard to to fake <laughs> to fake to fake somebody else's death would be difficult. And what's the the scenario where you'd want to do that is if someone gets hurt, then you'd, you'd fake well, bereavement. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, with bereavement leave, there's essentially no, there's no way. It's it's un, it's it's ridiculous. What what where this comes in is that there's basically a higher standard. You're right. Bereavement leave is separate from injury. The reason that it has been hard to replace Loop is that there's a higher standard for replacing somebody for injury in the uh, in the postseason because they essentially know that your once you use your starter in game five, you're not going to use him again, and so you could fake something to replace him and then carry an extra person. So you would de facto be carrying 26 while the other team is only carrying 25. Yeah, right. But but bereavement, yeah, you're not going to fake you can't fake you can't fake sad. No, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so David Price is pitching. That's a good thing mm-hmm. for the Blue Jays, right? Sure. Marcus Stroman will pitch on full rest. That's a good thing for the Blue Jays. Mhm. And um, you know the Royals have uh, so the, kind of a kind of a scary two days. The Blue Jays are favored in both of these individual games, no. probably. No. no, they are not. With the home field and with qu- they they might be if if you had a a system that adjusted for Cueto's mm-hmm. last month right. and a half yeah. more than we do. Uh, but with Cueto being Cueto and the Royals being home field. It's like fifty point four percent to the Royals in Game Seven. Uh huh. I'm guessing that for actual Royals fans, they would treat that as about thirty percent right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what the odds would be if you actually went out into the marketplace and tried to bet on this. Mm-hmm. But twenty nine percent does seem low. Although for everybody who doesn't trust Johnny Cueto, like seventy percent of those people don't trust David Price either. Yeah, that's true. At this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you could convince me that it's closer to forty for the Blue Jays yeah. right now. It's close. It's a surprisingly close series for uh, the number one seed going home 
with a two games to one matchup and their one and two starters pitching, mm-hmm. it's surprisingly close. Yeah. Well, it's nice that one of these series is close or we would have several days with no baseball. Mm-hmm. About to have several months with no baseball. Don't have to think about that yet. Okay. One more question. What would you do with Kyle Schwarber? Uh, I wrote about that today because it was a strange sight to see someone look so in command in the batter's box in one aspect of baseball and so out of his depth in another in that he looked awful all series in left field. So I wrote about what could be done with him. How many games has he played in his career? He has started 38 in the majors. Yeah. And and in the minors, do you have the answer off the top of your head? No, but not many because he only played about a season's worth of games in the minors, period, and most of them were as a catcher. He did play outfield occasionally in college, but I think not that much. 36 in the minors. So he's essentially got 80 games in the outfield. Mm Mm-hmm. Golly, that's right on the border. If it were like 35 games, I'd say, oh, well, you just work him out all all off season, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll come to spring, and he'll be as you know, he'll be a below average but not disastrous left fielder. Mm-hmm. But 80 is enough that you can't necessarily project any more growth from there. It could happen or it could not happen. Yeah, I I I keep him at left and have him you know catch two days a week. Mm-hmm. I'd do Gaddis on him, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they will did do. Did you mention Gaddis? Hang on, I'm going to check your not, thing. did not mention Gaddis. Really? How could you not mention Gaddis? <laughs> eh, probably should have mentioned Gaddis. But I think uh, I think that's what they'll do. Because, I don't know, it wouldn't... I think he could catch conceivably. I don't think he'd be a great catcher, but I think he could catch if they didn't have Montero and they both hit from the same side of the plate and the... Cubs have a pretty good catching prospect who's close and hits from the other side of the plate. Wait, and... the Cubs have a prospect? <laughs> yeah. And so I think I think they'll leave him in left field because he wasn't actually that bad. Like, this was, this was the worst time for him to be his worst possible self in left field. I don't know whether it was just small sample or playoff jitters or what, but he was not that embarrassingly bad all year. He was okay he was good enough for someone who hits as well as he does so i expect that they will continue to work with him and put him out there and hope he gets a little bit better and even if he's a little bit bad that's fine a little bit bad is fine if you hit like kosh schwarber but yeah. he was a disaster in that series yeah agreed okay all right so that's it for this week we'll do some sort of world series preview i imagine on monday and you can send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild and rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes so that you know when there's a new one. And you can support our sponsor, the Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com, using the coupon code BP and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Have a nice weekend. We'll be back next week.